You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back. Hour four of The Big Show. Wrapping things up here. Uh, do a little Canucks talk ahead of the NHL trade deadline this Friday. Uh, they've been a very uh, intriguing team to follow. They obviously got into the the, 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 the trading party a little earlier, sending out Bo, Hor- Bo Horvat and getting in uh, Anthony Bavillier and Antu Ratai. Also, they were in on the Vitili Krasov deal, getting him in over the weekend as well. Uh, who better to talk to than Jamie Dodd, co-host of Vancouver Canuck or of the Canucks Talk, out on Sportsnet 650. How are we doing today, Jamie? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Oh, doing all right. Doing all right. Thank you for doing this uh, for us. Uh, first off, uh, I don't know if you were in the building on Saturday, but first off, thoughts on the Linus Allmark goalie goal. Yeah. <laughs> I was not in the building, but I was, of course, watching on TV at home. And, you know, there's so much, like, emotion still with the Boston Bruins. Well, it's always a complicated thing when they come to town. But I'll be honest, I mean, I couldn't help smiling. Yeah. Because not only was it a goalie goal, and I can't recall, I know the Canucks have had one scored against them in the past, but it's 20 years ago, and I, I can't recall exactly if I was watching live. I don't know that I've ever been watching live and seen a goalie goal. And it, it was a really impressive one as well. So... Yeah, it's the Bruins, and they're beating you on hockey night, but uh, I, I couldn't help but smile at that one. You know, I don't even think I've actually watched one live because I, I, I saw that. I was I was at an establishment on Saturday night, and I was outside. I walked in as Linus Allmark was, had his <laughs> arms up in the air. I'm like, it's only 3-1 yeah. like, against the Canucks in, in February. He didn't win the cup. Like, what's going on? I saw the replay. I'm like, he scored? <laughs> so that was like, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And, but yeah, yeah just, the celebration was amazing after the fact. He he was all about it. He was really stoked. And an, I had to do a more a deep dive into it. That was the first time a goalie uh, scored a goal with only a one goal lead with an empty net. They've only done it with either a two goal lead or a three goal lead. So the balls on Allmark to do that. He misses that. That's an icing. Well, and there's three four checkers. He has to he has to get it up like six seven feet in the air just to clear the four checkers that are coming in on right? him, and it's still a perfect shot into the net. It's really it was really remarkable. Okay, well we'll talk about the team now. Uh, since Rick Tockett came in, they're five seven and one. There's been a little bit of a, a bump in play of late, but they're still yes, there's still that 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 Canuck play of course. But what is your oh, takes yeah. away uh, from uh, the Rick Tockett uh, move since uh, it's been a month ago since uh, they fired Bruce Boudreau? Yeah, it's hard to get too much of a handle on how much things have changed. If you look at some of the, well, even the record, I mean, you said 5-7-1. and one, That still puts them ahead of the record they were amassing yeah. under Bruce Boudreau this year, which goes to show you how much they were struggling before the coaching change. And you can look at some of the numbers and your scoring chances against and your shot share and all that, and there are some impressive takeaways. It's, it's hard to separate that, though, from one, they've had – a fair share of not very good competition. And even, you know, last week, you look at it, they played Nashville. Nashville was really poor. Mm-hmm. They played St. Louis. St. Louis, is sh- that was the game uh, where Craig Berube ripped his team after because they just looked so lifeless and checked out. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you win, but was St. Louis really fully invested in that? And we know they weren't. So it, it, there have been some positive. There has been more of that, you know, structure that we've heard Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine talk about. But for me, I'm having a hard time kind of disentangling it from the teams they're playing. And also the other thing is they're spending most of the game trailing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, sometimes they end up coming back. But you know this. When you're down in the third period, yeah, you're going to have 
the better scoring chances. You're going to have the better shot total than the other team. So there's some extenuating factors that kind of from the outside, if you just do a surface view, it looks better. I'm not so sure it's going to be sustainable moving forward, though. Like I said, off the top, like they, they are, they were an intriguing team to start this whole. They were the team that really got the trade wheels yeah. going here around the NHL. You know, they got they get in a guy like Vitaly Krasov. Talk about him. Like I thought, you know, a lot of people thought, well, this guy was going to be involved in the Patrick Kane trade and whatnot, or what, yeah. what were the Rangers going to do? Where did the Canucks come in on all of this? Well, Kratzoff's an interesting one because we've heard Jim Rutherford specifically say these are the types of players they want to target. You know, he was a first-round pick, obviously a top-ten pick, has not panned out at all mm-hmm. in his first stint with an NHL team. And, and Rutherford has said, you know, maybe we can get them those guys into our system and we can kind of find that upside they have. The interesting thing with Kratzoff is they paid almost nothing for him. Exactly, like literally yeah. a seventh-round pick mm-hmm. four drafts from now and uh, a guy, Will Lockwood, who I like, but, I mean, he tops out as a fourth-line energy guy mm-hmm. for you, right? So they really gave up nothing. That's the most interesting thing about it to me. And with Kratzoff, the reporting we've heard is that the Canucks have been interested in this player for a while, even dating back to the trade deadline last year, but the ask was always too much from mm-hmm. the Rangers. I mean, specifically a player here, uh, Niels Hoaglander, who's been kind of between the NHL and the AHL, yep but who has had success in the NHL before is still young. And I don't know how high the organization is on him, but I'm certainly very high on him. And if they had given up Hoaglander for Kratzow, I think that would have been a really poor trade. But to their credit, they just kind of stuck to their guns. They said, no, we're not doing that. And they waited until the price dropped for almost nothing. So I'm not sure. Like, there's obviously some very serious question marks with Kratzow, but I think any time you can get a relatively recent top 10 pick for basically nothing – I mean, I think that's worth a shot. If you can do that, go ahead. When you're a team in the Canucks position and you need talent, you need upside, I, I think it's a smart move. Yeah, super, super yeah. low risk on a player like that. And I'm just wondering, like, like obviously, you maybe take it. They took advantage, maybe of Chris Drury. Maybe not take advantage. Advantage is probably a poor word, but they, 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 they read the market and like Drury knew yep. he had to move that money out. So I'm thinking. Does the Canucks, like, what else is going to happen with them? We obviously know with Luke Shen, he's being held out for the trade-related reasons. Shana Goldman yeah. had the tweet last night from The Athletic oh, that yeah. JT Miller's name is being brought up now. Patrick Demko has said he doesn't want to move. He's on the trip right now. What else is going to go down with this team? Because I still think Vancouver could be a big catalyst for a lot of teams. Now that Timo Meyer's gone, not a lot of the big fish are gone. Vancouver could be the team where a lot of these contenders go for well, Shen is the, I don't want to say big in terms of necessarily the return that they're going yeah. to get or, or, you know, the way that teams are looking at him to move the needle, but he is the obvious one. It would still be very surprising to me if he didn't trade, uh, if he didn't get traded before the deadline. We're a week out from when they started to sit him out. This will be his fourth game that he misses tonight. I'm a little surprised that it hasn't happened. The reporting when, he, when they started to sit, sit him out was, okay, teams have got serious about making their offer. It sounds like something's going to happen. It is kind of interesting. When you look at the defense market, though, I mean, there's been the Orlov trade, but we're still waiting on Chikrin. We're still waiting on Gavrikov. We're still waiting on Luke Shen, all of whom have been sitting out multiple games now, and obviously Chikrin and Gavrikov for quite a while. So I'm kind of surprised the defense market hasn't started moving, but I would expect that Luke Shen gets moved at some time. The other name to watch from a player perspective is Brock Besser, Mm-hmm. I do wonder now that Timo Meyer is off the board and even a guy like Nino Niederreiter has moved kind of unexpectedly. You know, you look at the wingers, who's really going to move the needle for you at wing? You're kind of getting down to if you're 
and UFAs, you know, James Van Riemsdyk. I do wonder if there's a team that looks at Brock Besser and says, you know what, we don't love the term or the money left on it, but maybe if they retain a million, that's the guy that we want to look at at the deadline. It still feels maybe like more of an offseason move to me, but I wouldn't be shocked if Besser's dealt. And then I think the other thing to watch with the Canucks going into the deadline, I mean, you mentioned they took advantage of Chris Drury a little bit, knowing he needed to move money. Well, the Canucks, they have kind of temporary cap space here because they have a fair number of players on LTIR. So they've opened up about $7 million of cap space. And $7 million of space, when teams are really, really motivated to move money, like the Rangers were with Kratzoff, you can do quite a bit of damage with that. So that would be the other big thing that I'm watching is how do they make the most of that cap space to maybe try to milk some assets out of the teams that really feel pressure to do something ahead of the deadline? We're talking with Jamie Dodd, co-host of the Canucks Talk on Sportsnet 650. Uh, we talk about possible teams. Now, Now St. Louis was a team that got brought up into the Timo Meyer conversation with the yeah. amount of picks that they've got through their Tarasenko deals, their Barbashev deals, and all that. Would St. Louis be a team that, that could possibly be a spot for maybe Brock Besser, a JT Miller, as they have got the picks that they've got the room now, and they're thinking about next year? Yeah, that's a good one. That's a fascinating one, and I mean, just the fact that we've heard that they're ready, they're willing to think like that, right? Mm-hmm. As much as they're selling off and they traded Barbashev, there's obviously an appetite. They're not going to do a full-scale teardown, rebuild, try to be bad, right? Yeah. That's not really in their DNA. So they're going to try to get better again. And the interesting thing is, too, there's obviously there's some frustration with, with how the group is playing, certainly from Craig Berube, and I wouldn't be surprised if management agrees as well. I don't know about Besser just because – I don't know. I mean, I, I, I wonder if they look at it and say he's just straight up not worth the cap space, the mm-hmm. cap hit. For us, the Miller one is a really fascinating one. If they feel like they need, you know, the word we've been using out in Vancouver to describe JT Miller is passionate. And that's kind of a friendly euphemism sometimes because sometimes that means he's, you know, smashing sticks on the bench and yeah. yelling at his teammates <laughs> in ways you don't necessarily want. But he's a passionate player. And, hey, maybe St. Louis thinks they need a little uh, injection of passion uh, into the lineup. But, if, if a JT Miller trade was going to happen, and I think that's fascinating, you know, you brought up the Shana Goldman tweet. It sounds like JT Miller is not going to play tonight, but they're going to say mm. that it's because of injury. I have no insight into that. Who knows? He could very well be injured. There could be something going on there. Who knows? But he sounds like he's not going to play tonight. I would see it as a contender, and I would see it as an Eastern Conference contender who has missed out on the arms race so far, which has been serious and massive in the Eastern Conference and says, you know what, we need to do something to really bolster our lineup. We're going to go out and explore JT Miller. If a trade was to happen before the deadline, that's the scenario that makes the most sense to me. That would make then Carolina probably that team. Then. Carolina is an interesting one. Yeah, missed out on Meyer. We've heard from their owner, right, willing to be yep. aggressive at the deadline. We also know they don't like rentals, so maybe the fact that JT Miller is signed long-term is interesting to them. Who knows? There's been some whispers that they've talked to the Canucks in the past. I have no idea if what they would be willing to pay would be anything that would interest the Canucks. But, yeah, you connect the dots and you just look at they're a top team that hasn't done anything yet when every other top team pretty much yep. in the Eastern Conference has. You know they've got to be feeling some motivation to make a move. What kind of look is it on ownership, management, everybody involved in the in the day-to-day operations of the Canucks that they've lost, that they could lose Horvat and Miller in less than a calendar year? Well, it's a really fascinating question because 
if they had gone into this season with both of them unsigned, right, with both of them as pending UFAs, yeah. which they could have done. They signed JT Miller right before the training camp, basically, basically on Labor Day. But if you go into this season with both of them as pending UFAs, and the season unfolds like it did, and by which I mean it's just an absolute disaster, you are in a really powerful position at the trade deadline, and you can trade both of those guys and recoup a ton of assets. And in that scenario, I think they're being applauded, right? I think they're being applauded for recognizing the writing on the wall and, and making those tough decisions. Now that you've signed JT Miller, if you decide to trade him by the deadline, or even really if you trade him at the draft, let's mm-hmm. say, there are going to be some tough questions about – well, why on earth did you sign this player to this massive extension right before training camp only to turn around and trade him, you know, six, seven months later? Now, for me, I would potentially look at it as, well, you know what? They corrected a mistake. Sure, they made a mistake, but then they recognized it and they worked quickly to correct it. So I think I would still deserve some credit for management, but there will certainly be people saying, like, hey, what the heck happened here? (laughs) I thought he was going to be a long-term piece you were building around and I mean I think that's a tough thing for management to do to trade a player that you committed to like that that you committed to instead of your captain really because that was the thing that kind of sealed Bo Horvat's exit at the door I think it would take a ton of guts for them to make a JT Miller move I still think it would be the right move though if you can find a taker now, I mentioned earlier there when the the, the, the names were popping up, popping up there Thatcher Demko he's 100% he says he's on the trip now, is this a move that I, that's a good cap hit for a, for a team that would want to bring in a goaltender? He's still young, still really good. Yep. I believe he's fifth in Vesna last year. Now, would this be a move that the Canucks would be more inclined to make if they had a guy that it, maybe like I know they're really high on Artur Silovs, but he's only twenty one. Now, if there was a guy, if he was maybe older, or if they had another guy as a buffer, would it make it a little bit easier on them to move Demko because they move Demko? They're in goalie purgatory unless they go out and make a move in the offseason. Yeah, so one of the names that has come up a lot is uh, Tristan Jari out of Pittsburgh. And, of course, there's the connection there. He's a UFA. So there's been some speculation, right? Go in the summer, you bring Tristan Jari in. Now, I I think Tristan Jari is going to be more expensive than a a stopgap solution, right? So if you sign Tristan Jari, you're committing to him for, you know, four or five years probably at that position the interesting thing though is as much as you do want a buffer and you don't want to it doesn't you know it's not going to be Seelovs next year he's going to be back down in the AHL kind of carrying that workload and continuing to develop I would expect the thing is if you trade Demko you're also very much admitting that you're in a rebuild right so yes you want a goalie to kind of shelter your young team and make sure the scoreline doesn't get crooked every night and just that morale just absolutely craters But I think you're also recognizing we are in a transition period. So if we don't have an immediate solution at goalie, I don't know if that stops them from doing that. The other great name I would look at in terms of uh, fits for Thatcher Demko is the L.A. Kings. And the interesting thing with the Kings is, one, they're loaded with prospects on the blue line, especially right-handed prospects on the blue line, which is exactly what the Canucks need. They have none of them. And they also have Cal Peterson, who's making the same cap hit as Thatcher Demko, but he's in the AHL. So if you do a Demko for Peterson swap, and then obviously with L.A. adding significantly to that, it's cap neutral for the Kings. The Canucks get a goalie who has showed promise in his past. They're very, very high on goaltending coach Ian Clark. He is 
you know, the goalie guru out here. So you get a guy for Ian Clark to work with, maybe resuscitate from some value there. It's a bit of a risk because, hey, there's a reason Cal Peterson's in the AHL, Mm -hmm. but that's the type of move that could make a lot of sense to me for a rebuilding team, right? You're getting a haul of assets, you're taking the other team's cap problem, and you're seeing if you can rebuild some value with them. Well, Jamie, I hope uh, I hope some of these teams stop trading, and we actually have some content to talk about on Friday. I agree. Because uh, right I agree. now I'm on I'm on for three hours right yeah. before the deadline on Friday. So I'm on yeah on. I'm on three from nine to twelve. So yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's gonna be fun uh, for sure. Well, Jamie, thank you for for taking some time to talk with us, and we'll uh, we'll chat again soon. I'm sure. All right, sounds good. Thanks, guys. No problem. There you go. This is Jamie Dodd, co-host of Canucks Talk out on Sportsnet 650. And Jamie joined us down the NHL, uh, or our Atlas Pizza Sports, our guest hotline. And the NHL trade deadline it, coverage is brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar using that same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. Yeah, there's some interesting thing there that Shannon Goldman tweeted there last night. JT Miller as a possibility, as a name getting moved out. Maybe somebody in that East that missed out on one of the big names, you know, Timo Meyer's not there anymore. We got Vladimir Tarasenko's not there anymore. So Carolina seems that one team in the Eastern Conference that Toronto's made a move, New Jersey's made a move, Tampa's made a move, Boston's obviously made their move. So uh, Carolina is that one team that, you know, maybe they go, nah, JT Miller. It just seems like it's a lot of money to be moved uh, at the deadline right now. I know that that extension doesn't st- kick in until uh, next summer, but still, it's or this summer, I should say. But yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. Hopefully we get uh, something. Hopefully the teams around the league just stop and wait until Friday, and we have lots to talk about, but, but not likely, not bloody likely. Uh, Jeff Merrick shows up next. Uh, of course, he'll kick things off at 10 o'clock with Elliot Friedman, NHL insider from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts. Uh, 10.35, trip to Winnipeg with Ken Weeb. Uh, what's going on with the Winnipeg Jets? Lost four of their last five. They can't score. Nino Niederreiter will make his uh, Jet debut tomorrow night at 11 o'clock. GM, this guy, Tom Fitzgerald. How about that? What he did with uh, getting Timo Meyer to uh, Newark over the weekend. The Devils look good. They're primed to win a Stanley Cup for sure. Uh, and Adam Vingren, uh, 1135 from Sportsnet and Sports Logic, will uh, join the program. Uh, for everyone involved today, I want to thank our guests, Joe Siddle, Peter Labardius, Billy Jaffe, and of course, Jamie Dodd. Uh, for Alex Brody, I'm Patrick DeMa. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye.